Well, hey everyone, welcome to Valley Creek Church. It's great to be with you. From wherever you're joining us, wherever campus you're at, let's give each other a big welcome together. Glad to be with you. So hey, a couple of weeks ago, we kicked off a brand new series called Face to Face, Learning to Become a Great Friend. And it was a little different than other series that we've done before on on relationships or friendships because we weren't talking about why we need relationships or how to find friends. We were talking about being a friend, learning to be a great friend. And that the key catalyst within that is life on life. It's face to face, actually engaging with the people around us. But that if we're honest, if we really, if we look at society, we look at the world around us, it's going the opposite direction. Like we're engaging less and less with the people around us. And we don't talk anymore, we just send a text message. We don't get together, we just follow on social media. We don't go to the store, we just order on Amazon. We don't, you know, check out anymore, we just use the self-checkout. We don't even have to go to a restaurant, we just use Uber Eats. And none of those things are, are bad or evil. In fact, some of them are pretty awesome. I mean, Uber Eats, if you've never done that, that's way cool. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about waiting for a table or get a bad server. You just order and it shows up, I mean, it's great. But if it begins to change how we engage with people, it does become a problem. If it begins to redefine how we view friendship and we think about it as just knowing about people instead of knowing people, it is a problem. And as we should do with every problem, we look to Jesus. And so that's what we're doing in this series is looking at Jesus and how he was a great Friend, And we had a core passage for this series in John 15, 9 through 15. And I'm going to hone in on just one verse in that, verse 15. That says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. I have called you friends. I think when Jesus said that, that's some of the most profound words that he ever said in scripture, I have called you friends. And we're exploring the depth of that because we're seeing that Jesus really did set the bar on friendship. And it may sound funny, like really we're going to look to Jesus about friendship? Like Jesus, that's who we look to to, you know, when we like, how should we be nice and be a good person and live a good life? But like, what does Jesus know about friendship? And the answer is everything. He thought of it. He created it. He designed us for it. And just like he is with everything else, he's the best at it. And so when we looked at Jesus' life, we saw just things that showed he was a great friend. And there's things that we could learn from that. And the first week we got really practical. And we looked at really the first thing we saw in Jesus and how he was a great friend is he made himself available. And that because Jesus made himself available to us, we could make ourselves available to others. And if you missed the first week, I'd encourage you, go back online and listen to that or watch that as we unpack what availability looks like in friendship. And we're going to continue this week and stay practical with looking at another area that with Jesus, he was really great in friendships, and it was with his pursuit, with his pursuit of friendships, because Jesus did set the bar when it came to pursuing friendships. And if you look at pursuit, pursuit is described as this. It's an effort to secure or attain. An effort to secure or attain. I think if we look at things that we pursue in our life, I think we probably do that in some other areas. We pursue with an intent to secure or attain, maybe with some knowledge, 
maybe with uh, possessions or belongings, maybe with a job or a promotion, but do we do that with friendships? Do we pursue them with an intent to secure or attain, or we just kind of assume they're going to happen? Because we don't assume that in those other areas, and we shouldn't assume it about friendships either, because they're not just going to happen on their own. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, man, heck yeah, I pursue my friendships. I'm the master at pursuit. I text my friends and call my friends and I like my friends' posts even when I don't like their posts and I make myself available to them and I hang out with them and on and on and on. And maybe you do, but maybe you do as long as everything is okay. As long as they're being a good friend back to you. But what about when it's not? What about when your friends have disappointed you? When they've hurt you? When they leave you or reject you? What about when life is just hard and it's beating you down and it's not convenient? What then? How strong does your pursuit of friendship look when you're in one of those places? Because what separated Jesus from the pack was that he never stopped pursuing. It didn't matter what kind of friend someone was to Jesus. He was a great friend to them. And Jesus had a lot of different relationships with a lot of different people, but I'm going to hone in on, on one friendship in particular, and it was the one that Jesus had with Peter, the friendship between Jesus and Peter. Because if there was ever one that took a lot of pursuit, it was the one between Jesus and Peter. And so there's a few thoughts I want to share with you about theirs that hopefully we can take some things away to help us learn to be great friends. And the first one is this, that pursuit takes initiative. Pursuit takes initiative. In Mark 1, we see when Jesus first encounters Peter, in verse 16 and 17, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. What we see there is that the first step in taking initiative of friendships is to take the first step. Like, just go first. I mean, you have to start it. You have to initiate. Jesus was the one who started the friendship between him and Peter. He was the one who reached out. He was the one who started the conversation. He was the one who extended the invite. He was the one that opened the door. He was the one who took the risk. Because what if they'd said no? I mean, what if they laughed at him or made fun of him? I mean, here he was talking to, to fishermen, saying, hey, come hang out with me. I'm gonna teach you to fish for people. I mean, they're gonna be like, no, thanks, man. Like, that's called kidnapping. We're not going to do that. We're going we're gonna to stick with the fish. But he, he took some risk on those guys. But the point is, he went first. And so take that to your relationships, your friendships. Do you take the initiative in your friendships? Because it's really easy to wait for someone else to make the first move, to send the text, to make the phone call, to extend the invitation, and wonder, why isn't anyone pursuing me? But the question isn't, why isn't anyone pursuing me? It's why am I not pursuing them? And I think, not for everybody, but I think for most of us, it's primarily, it's a, it's a fear of rejection. That's what's holding us back. It's a fear of rejection, a fear that they're going to say no, that they'll reject us and that they'll hurt us. And then fear does what fear does best. It immobilizes you. It stops you. That's why... Frozen in fear is such a well-known phrase. And that's why fear has no place in your life because you were not created to be frozen in fear. You were created to pursue with passion. And so if you, if you look at kids, kids are a great example of that. 
I mean, kids have no fear <laughs> with friendships. I have four kids, and, and our youngest one, Bennett, she just recently turned six, and we were, we were at the park recently, and we didn't, we didn't have anybody with us. We just went to the park to hang out, and, uh, and she disappears for like a couple hours because I mean, I'm just on my phone, like I'm not paying attention. And she comes back a little while, she's all red-faced. I'm like, hey, man, look, I had a great time. She's like, yeah. It's like, what were you doing? I was playing with my friends. It's like, well, we didn't come with anybody. I'm like, well, okay, what are your friends' names? And she goes, I don't know. They're my friends. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Well, go keep playing with your friends. But it didn't matter. She didn't need to know their names. She didn't know about them. It, it, there were no conditions. She just pursued them freely to be friends. And Jesus faced the same fear with Peter, that fear of being rejected, but he faced down that fear by replacing it with love. He faced down the fear of rejection by Peter with his love for Peter. See, 1 John 4, 8 says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So when you are receiving the love of God, you are free to release that love to other people. And I know that's easier said than done. Like it's much easier to, to want to know the outcome. How are people gonna respond if you initiate? But that's what crummy friends do. They wait, and we're not learning about crummy friends. We're learning to be great friends. And great friends, great friends take steps of faith. They take steps of faith. And faith isn't really faith unless action is accompanied with it. I mean, I can have faith in an airplane all day long, but it really is not faith until I get inside of it and let it take off to fly. Then it becomes faith. And it's gonna take faith, a step of faith. It's gonna take pursuing to start those friendships and continue those friendships. And it took faith for Jesus to initiate with Peter. It's going to take faith to initiate with others, but it's on the other side of faith that you find the miracles. And when you realize that every friendship in your life, literally every single one of them, someone initiated. Someone went first in every relationship you have. So let that be you. Like, go first. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but it is simple. It's not complicated. And here's some really simple ways that you can go first. It's just go ahead and send somebody a text. If there's somebody you know you need to text right now, just go ahead and do it. I mean, you don't have to do it right now, but maybe as soon as the service is over, you can send them a text. Or maybe make a phone call. If you've got their number, just make the phone call. Call them and talk to them. Or maybe even at church, after service, go talk to somebody out in the cafe. We got great environments around here to hang out and just say, hey, you want to hang out and grab something to eat or drink and let's talk for a little while? Or maybe say, hey, what if we come early next week and hang out? Or what if we stay late next week and hang out? Or maybe what if you just include somebody in something you already have planned? That's really nice and easy. You don't have to come up with anything new. Something you've already got going, just invite somebody else to be a part of it. It's really not that complicated. And really even think about it like this. If there's anyone that you're waiting on to pursue you, then just go ahead and pursue them first. And then do it again. And then do it again. And then do it again. That's why it's called Pursuit. It's ongoing. It's not a one-time thing. And that's what Jesus did with Peter. I mean, he continued to pursue. He continued to initiate throughout their entire friendship. And if we're going to be great friends, then we're going to have to initiate over and over and over. The next thing I wanted to share with you is this, that pursuit takes 
time. It takes time. And I know a lot of you are like, no, like, don't talk about time. I don't have enough time as it is. Leave time alone. And I get it. I know that. I mean, I'm probably the biggest offender in this area. And I'm going to get to that. But the reality is, it is actually impossible to pursue friendships without investing time. If you're going to pursue, it's going to take time. So you might as well embrace it. I mean, Peter gave Jesus so much time. I mean, you really, if you, if you look through the Gospels, I mean, pretty much every day of three years of his life, he gave to the disciples so much of his time. And he could have done things way faster without them. But Jesus didn't just come to do things. He came to know and be known. And he was much more concerned about building friendships than building a following. That's why he was actually always pulling away from the crowd. He was much more focused on friendships. And I think if we're honest... A lot of times we're much more concerned with building a following than building friendships. Like we will spend so much time to take the perfect picture or spend so much time crafting the perfect post that might get us a few more followers, a few more likes, instead of spending that exact same time face-to-face building a friendship. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did. And if you look all through the Gospels, he, he gave his time so willingly, and especially to Peter, There's five chapters, Matthew 15 through 19, where Jesus gave so much extra time to Peter. I mean, extra conversations, extra explanations, extra time face-to-face, explaining something, helping with something, defending something. Over and over and over, so much time he gave, and he gave it so willingly. Why do we struggle so much with that? We struggle so much to give away our time. I think it's because it feels so finite. Like it's the one commodity we have no control over, no ability to generate any more of. You know, in Matthew 25, Jesus is teaching on stewardship. Matthew 25, 29, he says, whoever has, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. When Jesus said that, he was teaching about stewardship and that when we are entrusted with something, if we will steward it really well, God will entrust us with even more but that if we don't steward it well, then even what we have will be taken away. Jesus knew that was the same with time. We can't do anything with time, but God can. And Jesus knew if he would steward his time well and basically give his time to the most valuable place he could, which was to people, that God could supernaturally give him more. And so as much time as he gave to Peter, he always had plenty of time to give it. And it produced the most dynamic friendship in Jesus' life. You have to think of friendship like a garden. I have a garden. I love to garden. I got a great garden at home. And I've had it going for a few years. And, and, but I learned right out of the gate, like, garden takes time. You got to get the soil ready. And then you got to plant stuff. And then you got to water it and tend it and fertilize it. And you got to pull weeds out. And you got to trim stuff, keep the bugs out. But after investing all the time, it produces some really amazing stuff. But if you don't invest the time, the garden just dies out. The same is true with friendships. It takes time. And if you invest the time, it produces some amazing things. But if you don't, the friendships eventually just die out. And really, that's what happened in my life. Some of you know this. You may not, everybody may not know this, but I'm a highly relational person. I'm, I'm an extrovert, and so I get filled up by being around people and being with people. Like, I hate to be alone. I hate to be by myself. Like, I love being with people. And, I, and I've always prided myself on being a really great friend and having really great friends, but 
And pride comes before the fall. And so it's really ironic that I'm actually speaking in this series about friendship and even on this topic because here's the place that I've been at is lonely. Like really lonely. For the last several months, I've probably been at the most lonely place I've been at in years. And it's primarily been due to my lack of pursuit, which has primarily been due to my struggle with time. So I bought into this, this lie and this thinking that, okay, if I was going to be a great husband and I was going to be a great father and I was going to be a great pastor, I didn't have time to be a great friend. And that, hey, if, if, if we're going to be friends, then you got to pursue me because I don't have time for that. Basically, I was just a really crummy friend because great friends have time for their friends. And we said in, in week one of this series that to, to say I'm too busy is an ungodly belief because it's saying I don't have time to live the life God has for me. And that is a lie. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. He gave you to to have a life full of friendships, not void of them. Like the godly belief is Philippians 4.19. That says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And so the time I need, the energy I need, the heart that I need, the focus that I need, basically everything that I need to be a great friend that initiates and gives their time comes from Jesus. And so I'm walking this out right with you guys. Like I'm working through my doubts and fears and I'm replacing them with God's promises and his hope. And I'm giving my time back to my friendships. The reality is like, it's not the easiest thing because I don't have a slow paced life and, and probably neither do you. So what won't happen without intentionality. Luke 14, 28 through 30, Jesus says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost? See if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. <laughs> like, don't start a friendship if you're not gonna put time in to actually build the friendship. It's gonna take time. So you're gonna have to plan it out and figure it out. And again, it's not easy, but it is simple. There's some really simple things you can do, like set recurring friend dates, just friend dates, send them to like send them a calendar invite that are recurring where, you know, this happens at this time on this date, it's recurring. And so you can block it out and you can plan for it. It's just a simple way to do it or, or block out certain times on your calendar just to return emails, texts, and phone calls to friends. It's not work related. It's not hobby related. It's just for friends. Or maybe say no to some things, like actually say no to something on your calendar to free up space to give to some friends. Basically, like, don't give all your time to things, give it to people. And give your best time to people. And this one may, this one may be a little sensitive. Like, don't let a lifeless screen dominate your time. Because a screen is a really crummy substitute for a friend. Whether that's a phone screen or a computer screen or a TV screen, all it does is take, it gives you nothing back. And so don't give the best of the most precious thing you have, your time, to a screen. Let the screen have the leftovers. Like give your time to people. You got time left, then give that leftovers to the screen. 
But if we're going to be great friends, we're going to have to initiate and we're going to have to give our time. And the last thing is this, that pursuit takes letting go. Pursuit takes letting go. You're going to have to have some thick skin. You can't take everything personal. And if you do, you got to let it go. And even though time may be the most, the most difficult or costly, I think this is probably the one that gets in our way the most. Because people are going to disappoint us. And they're going to frustrate us. And they're going to hurt us. And they're going to do the wrong thing. And they're not going to hold up their end of the deal. And they're not going to respond how we think they should. But in most cases, we do the opposite of what we should do. When that happens, we hold on to the offense and we let go of the person. When what we should do is hold on to the person and let go of the offense. That's I'm glad you like that. I'm going to say that again. What we do most times when someone hurts us, disappoints us, frustrates us, wrongs us, we let go of that person and we hold on to that offense. And what we need to do is let go of the offense to hold on to that person. And seriously, if there was ever an example of that to look at, it was Jesus and Peter. Because basically all Peter did was offend Jesus. It was pretty much their whole relationship. I mean, he was always saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing and questioning this and assuming that and cutting someone's ear off and drowning in the water. I mean, he's just, he's always offending Jesus and Jesus was always letting him go. But I think the, the crowning moment or really the, the low point was when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified. And it's, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and, and it says he is, He's at the point of death. He's in such grief and anguish over this. And he brings his three closest friends with him. Says he brings Peter, James, and John. And he tells them, like, I feel like, like life is just, it's crushing me to the point of death. Would you guys just watch and pray with me while I spend time with my father? He's at the worst place he's ever been in his life. And he's needing his friends. And I don't think Jesus had any intention to pray three times when he did in the garden. So at first he goes off and he's praying, he's praying to the Lord because he knows what he's about to face. And then he comes back and in Matthew 26, 40, it says, then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? I think at that moment he went back to pray again and he's like, God, I, I got a whole new set of problems now. <laughs> like, I was in grief, I was in anguish, and now I know, like, I'm alone. My friends, at the worst place in my life, man, they're just sleeping. And he goes and he lets that go, and he comes back and he finds I'm sleeping again. And he has to go back to the Father again, the Lord. I don't have anybody but you, but I love them. Let go of this again comes back to them again and then a matter of hours later as Jesus is going to be beaten and crucified Peter just adds more salt to the wound and he denies him three times denies even knowing him three times can you imagine how Jesus felt how abandoned 
how betrayed, how alone. Have you ever felt that way? By those closest to you? And what do you do in those times? Do you cut them off? Do you push them out? Do you stop the pursuit? So Jesus had every right to pursue Peter, to stop pursuing Peter. And I don't think any of us would have faulted him if he did. Like, just like, dude, wash your hands of him. Be done. And he could have told Peter, like, man, I've been a great friend to you. And all you've done is hurt me and reject me and abandon me. But once again, Jesus let go of the offense and he pursued the friendship. Because after Jesus was crucified and, and buried and resurrected, we find Peter right back where he started. Peter's fishing. He's out in a boat fishing. And Jesus comes walking along the shore, pursuing him. And in John 21, 5, when Jesus sees him, he says, friends, have you caught any fish? Jesus calls him friend. His first word back to Peter is friend. He let go of the offense so he could hold on to Peter. What do you need to let go of so you can hold on to someone? Maybe that's the step that you need to take today. Today's your day to take that step. I'm gonna let go of that offense so I can be free to hold on to the friendship, free to pursue the friendship because if we're gonna be great friends who pursue we're going to have to let some things go. And Jesus said in John 13, 34, he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He said that was a new command because the old command was in Leviticus 19, 18, which said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, here was the old standard. You love your friends like you love yourself. But he said, I just raised the bar. I brought a new standard of friendship in. You love your friends like I have loved you. And I loved you unconditionally. And I know this, that may have been heavy, like a deep dive there for a little while. So, so let's bring it up a little bit, like kind of take a breath. Because it may be overwhelming to think I could be that kind of a friend. The friend who initiates, the friend who gives their time, the friends who lets things go until you realize that's exactly the friend Jesus is to you. Jesus always has and always will pursue you and not just pursue you, unconditionally pursue you. The same ways that he pursued Peter, Jesus pursues you. Jesus took initiative with you. you. Look back at our core verses, John 15, 15 and 16. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Because Jesus took the initiative with us, because Jesus loved us first, we can go first in loving others and taking initiative with others. And Jesus has redeemed all of time for us. 1 John 5, 11, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son you are free to give your time to others when you realize Jesus has given you eternity. And Jesus has fully let go of every offense. 
Psalm 103, 12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. You can't let go any farther than that, the east from the west. Jesus has let go of every offense so he could hold on to you. We can let go of offenses so we can hold on to them. And this has always been God's heart. It has always been his heart to pursue relationship. You look all the way back in the beginning in Genesis. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them for relationship, for friendship. And when they chose sin, when they chose to hurt the relationship, their response was to go and hide. God's response was to pursue. In Genesis 3, 9, it says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? That might be the saddest question in the Bible because it's a relational question. Where are you? God pursued the friendship even in the midst of the brokenness and the hurt. He didn't say, what have you done? He didn't want to shame them or condemn them. He said, where are you? You're not where you belong. You belong with me. And it may be the question he's asking you right now. Where are you? Where are you? You're not where you belong. You belong with me. That no matter what you've done, no matter what you think, no matter how you feel, he says, I am pursuing you. So if you take nothing else away from this message, take this. Jesus is pursuing you because he loves you he believes in you. He values you. He wants to know you and you to know him. And no matter what kind of friend you are to Jesus, he's a great friend to you. Jesus pursued us so that we can pursue others. Jesus is a great friend to us so that we can be a great friend to others. Let's pray together. Jesus, I just say thank you. Thank you for unconditionally pursuing us. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for choosing us before we ever chose you. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for giving us eternity. And thank you for letting everything go. Your grace truly is amazing. And so I say thank you that you call us friends. May that wash over all of us anew. May we receive that to a new and deeper place that you call us friends. And may it set us free to pursue you back. And I am a believing God that it's gonna unlock something for friendships around here. That there will be a new freedom found because we know how much you have pursued us that we will pursue others. And I'm believing and expecting that more than we're asking or expecting that friendships are gonna abound in this place and in these lives. So Lord, overwhelm us with your friendship and with the friendships of those around us. May this be a season that we just marvel at your goodness and faithfulness for the friendships in our lives. We love you. We pray it all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.